Hello everybody and welcome to Gaza Guy podcast with me, Mao Musa from Gaza. My guest today is a Palestinian American poet, born and raised in the U.S. to Palestinian immigrants. She's also a criminal justice and political science student working towards eventually pursuing a law degree when she's not writing or performing her poetry. Nada raises awareness about various issues in Gaza, Yemen, Syria, as well as issues within the U.S. through community organizations. My guest today is aspiring Palestinian-American poet Nada Abouassi. Everybody, welcome Nada Abouassi to Gaza Kai Podcast. If you would like to introduce yourself, Nada, to the listeners of Gaza Kai Podcast, what would you say? Um, I guess I would just say that uh, I'm a very, I'm a child of words, so to speak. You know, I words are a big part of my life. Um, I've been writing since I was very little. Um, because I found it was easier to tell people's stories and tell my story um, by writing. And because if you notice, a lot of people, they tend to listen better when it comes to poetry. And so it's easier to tell your story through words that sound better. And, and that's kind of why I jumped into poetry. Um, I'm a very young college student. Um, I went into college early because I excelled earlier in my life. Um, and I political science and criminal justice and I'm hoping to use that and poetry to sort of better the world internationally and within the U.S. Um, because as you see today there's a lot of stuff going on that needs fixing and hopefully I can be someone that contributes to that change. But yeah. Your pile to write is to breathe for words on my air. To live is to learn to imagine without care. Well, this was actually something I wrote uh, in the middle of me traveling to Jerusalem, um, which is sort of surprising, but I, I actually started writing in Jerusalem because um, before I used to write short stories, but when it came to poetry, I got into it um, while I was in Palestine over the summer. And um, I actually wrote this on my phone in the car on the way to my grandmother's house. Um, and it basically just means that um, for me, the way I breathe is through my writing. You know, if I'm ever feeling like I'm, you know, I have anxiety or if I ever feel that I'm pressured from life, I'll write. Um, and sort of that gives me back the breath that I need to move on with my life. Um, and to live um, is to learn to imagine without care. Learning is a huge part of life that a lot of people underestimate. Um, and it's not just about school. I'm talking about like, like learning within life. Um, and, and fostering your imagination. Imagination is also a big part of life and you can't live without having a very large imagination. So that's where creativity comes from. So Nanda, when did you start writing poetry? Or if we can say, what introduced you to poetry? I think I was first introduced to poetry through school. Um, in America, you at least once in your lifetime in an English class, you will be forced to write poetry. And I think um, at one point I was given an assignment to just write about anything in the world and it just had to be a poem. And I happened to write about, you know, the issues happening in Palestine. But then about a year later, I started going through my own things in life and I started connecting the dots between my struggles and, you know, the issues that other people are struggling with back home. And um, I started drawing connections and I realized that poetry was something that 
I actually liked doing and I wanted to continue to do. And um, as I wrote, a lot of people were telling me, you know, this is actually something you can do. This is a really nice piece of writing. Uh, maybe you should move from writing short stories to writing poetry. And then eventually I sort of jumped into it and made it my full-time writing genre of poetry. Um, do you write fiction? Do you write anything else than poetry? Uh, yes. Um, actually, I started writing with fiction. Um, I would write uh, little short stories about uh, what I would imagine living um, in Gaza or um, in Jerusalem is like. Um, I have never published them. They sort of lie hidden in notebooks underneath piles that I've never really opened. It's been a while since I've read them. Um, but yeah. Also, I like when you say that a lot of people mistaken poetry for being overly dramatic and poets should only write about death, love, loss. But as you mentioned, poetry could be about anything. Absolutely. Um, and actually, if, if you, I studied poetry as part of um, my undergraduate. Um, I'm still an undergrad student, but poetry was um, a big part of my um, studying. And I actually learned that in earlier days, poetry wasn't used for tragedy, love and loss. It was used um, to teach others about things that were difficult, like math or history. Um, a lot of the times you'll see that um, poems from back in the day that talk about wars and everything, they were written that way to teach others because it's easier to learn when things are written in that sort of form. And so a lot of people are mistaken because people like Shakespeare or um, Mahmoud Darwish or all of these other poets, they, they write about only love, tragedy and loss. Um, and, and for me, poetry is about anything. I can write about food. I can write about going out with my friends and you know it doesn't have to be sad it can be happy um, and I think that's why a lot of people mistaken poetry for something like that because there's too much of it and there's not enough light shed on happy poetry um, and a lot of times I write out of the randomest things you know if I'm drinking coffee I'll finally write a poem about the cup I'm drinking um, if I'm eating a sandwich of shawarma I'll write a poem about that you know it could literally be about anything um, but yeah, I know. So you have something to share? You just wrote it about such topics or such themes or experiences, I, drinking coffee and eating shawarma or knafa, for example. I actually, I actually wrote a poem that um, that got published in an anthology that was written right after I ate a shawarma sandwich, um, and it goes: As I collect the dawali leaves, I hear the subtle whispers the grapevines. They tell me, learn to yearn, live to love, for the butterflies yet to swarm inside you are begging to be set free. The mint leaves planted in your soul are eager to wrap your body with warmth. The olive oil in the corner of your eyes are ready to fall with joy. Your lips, laced with pomegranate, are ready to whisper tender promises, and the coffee beans brewing in your mind are ready to be shared. So don't wait for the trees in the garden to whisper it is time, for the limestone walls you've built around the dancer in you can only erode if you will it to. Fascinating. Um, who inspires you uh, and what uh, inspires you both? Now that's a very tough question because I have a, I just, I read poetry um, from everywhere and um, it's not really much about the poet rather than the poem because I think um, reading a poem can tell a lot about the person that wrote it um 
we used to have a lot of uh, Mahmoud Darwish books flying around on the house when I was younger, and I used to um, read them. Uh, and they were first written in Arabic, but they'd have the English translation on the side. And I would read it, and I really liked what he would talk about. And as I grew older and actually figured out how to write poetry, I would listen to a lot of his work on, on YouTube or SoundCloud. And um, I'd start drawing inspiration from him. Um, and then in school, you know, you learn about Shakespeare and a lot of these modern American poets and you sort of combine the two, you know, the way that they write and the stories that Mahmoud Sabish tells you. And uh, a lot of the time, anything really inspires me, you know, anything. Like I said before, I can write about, you know, drinking coffee or eating shawarma or knafa. Um, anything really inspires me, but sometimes I do go through slumps and I need something difficult to drag me out of it. You know, a lot of times I do go through writer's block. In fact, you know, during this quarantine, I'm going through a writer's block right now. It's very difficult to write um, when there's really not much going on at home and I don't have the time or the resources to get outside and, you know, sort of find that inspiration. So really, I draw inspiration from all corners of the world. Um, but yeah. Especially at those times, uh... Many poets find it very hard to write something or to write a poem uh, or to find inspiration. You know, you feel like uh, you're trapped in the moment that you're in and what is going on around you and what is happening in the world. And when it comes to writing, you feel lost. Where should I start yeah. from? You know, yeah, uh, so it happens to all of us, actually. Uh, I yeah. actually in the last three or four months, I wrote only around three or four short poems. Me too, yeah. Oh. yeah. So it's, I don't know, we, I was emotionally drained, fatigued actually. So there's no mood to writing or, and I'm a kind of moody person. If I feel like I want to share what I'm going through, I want to share that emotions, that experience, that thoughts, uh, I do it, but if I'm not, and the mood for this, I will not do it. If it will take months, days. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time, you know? Sometimes yeah, definitely. To share. Does it happen to you? Oh, all the time. Um, I'm, I'm like that very, very, very much. You know, I, I am sort of a moody person and um, I tend to share only when I'm overfilled with emotion. And oftentimes I only write when I'm overfilled with emotion. Um, I can't, I can't just sit in front of my notebook and write. I have to have something already on my mind that I have to pour out into a notebook and then sort of make a poem out of it. Um, so it's very difficult because um, outside of quarantine, you know, because of college and work, I'm usually outside all the time. Uh, so Nada, one of my favorite poems for you, a poem you wrote about Palestine. I'll read it for you now. Her green eyes carry forests of generations before me, forests of lioness souls and stories. The creases by her lips carry the wisdom of past lives, future prophecies. Her tears build the waves that set me free. So I wrote this poem mostly because I wrote it this past summer and um, I wrote it after I realized that because of you know, COVID-19, I wouldn't be returning um, to Palestine. So I wouldn't be seeing my grandmother. And that sort of kind of broke my heart because it's been a while since I've seen her. And so, 
know, with all the issues that rose in um, Palestine and Gaza because of COVID-19, and, you know, um, the difficulties that they have to endure because of the pandemic and already because of the existing political issues going on, I wrote a poem that sort of talks about my grandmother, but also talks about the land and, and Palestine and the issues that it's, yeah. that's going on there. Um, and so, yes, my grandmother does have green eyes and that's very literal, but behind that literal um that literal meaning there's this symbolism of, of Palestine and perseverance and the people living there the past lives and the future prophecies of you know what we believe will end up happening in this land you know so it's sort of an ode to my grandmother but also to Palestine. We would say a close poem to Nada's heart. Ooh, that's a very tough one because um they're all I'm my afraid. sons and daughters, you'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And sometimes I'm very, um, I criticize myself a lot. So I'll probably share a poem and then, you know, maybe a month later, I'll look back on it and be like, I've written better. Or um, this poem isn't exactly the best, um, even though within the moment when I shared it, I thought it was the best one that I shared. Um, I think that a lot of the poems that I hold dear to my heart are the ones that, um, are bilingual, like they're Arabic and English. Wow. Um, I started recently sharing a lot of my Arabic poems, even though I've been writing them for many years. Um, and I think one of my favorite ones um, is probably, I saw the Dead Sea flowing from her eyes. When I held her cold hands, I felt the skin of displacement and sorrow. If it weren't for her silence, I would have started a war like a knight when protecting the queen or a guard guarding the land. And then there's the Arabic um, in front of it, the Arabic translation, so to speak, which is رأيت البحر الميت تسيل من عينيها وعندما مسكت يدها الباردة أتست بجلد الغربة والحزن لو لم يكن لصنصها كنت قد بدأت حرب فالفارس حين يحمل ملكة أو حارس يحرس الأرض And this poem is very dear to my heart mother um and my mother my mother's like my best friend so you know we walk through this life together um and um my mom had seven kids and me and my sister were the only girls at home and there's an age difference between me and my sister so when my sister left i became the only girl at home and so me and my mom you know we do everything together we laugh together we joke together and so um I wrote it because sometimes, you know, I realized that I probably bother my mom sometimes. I see how sometimes she feels trapped because she's far away from her family. Yes, yeah, we all do. And it's it's this issue of ghurbeh, you know, my, my mom being far away from her family in Jerusalem. And so sometimes, you know, that I see the hurt in her eyes when she can't go back home and see her mom and whatever. And sometimes that pains me as well. So I carry her own pain. And so I wrote that pain into this poem. Oh, that's so yeah. beautiful. Also describes when you said uh, carry her pain. You know, it couldn't be said better than that, especially if we can link that to the Palestinian cause, for example. Yes. Uh, we carry the pains uh, of our par uh, parents, our grandparents, you know? So yeah. that link, if you, the poem is about your mother, but it can be linked to the home, that can be linked to... Absolutely. Yeah. To, uh, to anything, you know? 
Yeah, and, and my parents, they, they came to America in the 80s, right after the, or during the Intifada. And, you know, growing up, we always heard stories about the things they struggled with. Um, you know, my dad used to always tell me stories about how when he was six, he had to migrate to a cave and live there because um, of the war and the raiding of villages. Um, and so growing up hearing those stories, you tend to carry that pain and you tend, tend to say, you know, why did my dad have to go through this? And why are people still going through this? And it's this generational pain and, and difficulty that you carry along. And that's why they tend to say that future generations are stronger because Absolutely. They, carry all, they carry all the pain and conflict that the past generations had to endure. And um, hopefully, you know, this generation that we have right now can sort of find a solution to everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. Um,